Dr. Kylie is absolutely incredible. She cares so much about her patients and giving them their quality of life back. I've been to more doctors than I can count on a quest to figure out what's wrong with me. Nobody would listen and wrote off all my symptoms as either from stress or in my head. They just wanted to give me meds and shut me up. Dr. Kylie made me feel like I wasn't crazy and that there was a root cause to my sickness which she would help me find. She read through all my labs and was able to explain everything, make sense of what's happening with my thyroid, and show me things that no other doctor was even paying attention to. She's the best doctor I've ever worked with and knows how to read labs like nobody else in her field. She's made me believe that it could be possible to feel better again. I'm so grateful for her and recommend her with the fullest conviction. Jordan. Say yes to yourself and come join us inside the Permission to Heal boot camp that's right for you. What can change in just 21 days, beginning September 6th? Go to drkylieburton.com and come join us. Practitioners, we're creating an army. Come join it. Go to btdmastermind.com and let's start changing the world together. Doors close September 6th and I can't wait to see you on the inside. We are needed. Welcome to the Beyond the Diagnosis podcast with me, Dr. Kylie. I have a very, very special guest with me today. His name is Dr. Donald Dennis. He is an ENT, ear, nose, and throat surgeon based in Atlanta, Georgia, but he's not just any ear, nose, and throat surgeon. He is trained from Johns Hopkins, and he specializes in toxic mold exposure. So we're going to get into how mold gets into our sinuses and how we can figure out if it's there and he can explain his surgical removal process for those who are severely ill. I know I've been looking forward to this and I can't wait to hear and learn myself from Dr. Dennis. So Dr. Dennis, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So as an ear, nose and throat surgeon, I guarantee you didn't begin with mold and mold and the sinuses and mycotoxins, where did you begin and how did you get where you are today? Well, we saw a lot of patients with sinus infections. And uh, when you're in school, you only see a patient for about three months and then you think whatever you did got them well. So uh, when you get in practice, you find out that everybody doesn't get well with everything you know how to do. And so uh, that was the beginning. Uh, basically, the short story is we had a patient who had been sick for 10 years with a polyps and infection coming out of his nose all the time, regardless of what we did, whether it was surgery, antibiotic steroids, allergy shots, antihistamines, everything. Everything you know how to do didn't work. And so one day he came back in, and endoscopic exam showed he was completely clear. I had never seen the guy clear ever no matter what we did. So I asked him, well, what have you been doing? He said, well, I went to the beach for two weeks and then I knew it was environmental. And so then we figured out it was mold. And then from then on, we tried to devise uh, ways to lower the fungal count in the air, which is the most important piece, and then to lower it inside the sinuses. And the reason we went that way is because when you breathe the air, you're breathing 2,904 gallons of air a day. 
And so no amount of medication or surgery will diffuse that kind of contamination and that volume. And so it's like uh, we use this simile as if the air in a room is pool water. So you're sitting at the bottom of the pool water and the pool water is dirty. And you're trying to rinse the dirty pool water out of your nose while sitting on the bottom of the pool. And that's not going to work. So that's why you got to address the air first. So uh, the air is uh, the most single, most important thing you take into your system because there's more volume of air than anything else. I know what we've been discussing previously, you've said, you, t- you told me everybody likes to blame their food with oh. the mycotoxins. And you're saying, you know, we're, we breathe 2,904 gallons of air per day. That's more important than what we put in our mouth, what we're breathing through our nose. That's right. And the thing about it is it's all goes in through the nose. And so it's naturally filtered throughout the sinus lining, the mucosa. So the highest concentrations of the mycotoxins are in the sinus mucosa, and it goes from there directly into the brain, along with what's called MVOCs, which are microbial volatile organic compounds. That's like sniffing glue. People used to sniff glue and get high. Well, these chemicals go directly into the brain from the nose in real time. So um, what we want to do is clear the nasal passages in the sinus mucosa of the toxins so they don't communicate with the brain because a lot of these people get, they call it brain fog or cognitive dysfunction, concentration problems, problem remembering things and uh, inability to read and comprehend. All those kinds of things are common in mold exposure. And it's the reason people have them is because the stuff that's in their nose is going into their brain. And so if you wash these uh, toxins and fungus out with antifungals out of all the sinuses through a, a simple endoscopic surgical procedure, you stop the contamination of the brain. And usually in most cases, you get tremendous improvement, provided what? They're in a clean air location. If they're not in the, a good air environmental situation it doesn't matter what you do it will never work right yeah is there a way to determine like to test the air you're breathing like at your house well yeah there's uh the easiest way is to we use uh immunolytics as a laboratory for environmental testing and you just leave the mold plates out for an hour exposed in the air and then cap them and then see if it grows anything and send it to the lab and they'll give you the number of colonies and the genus of it. And that's called an air test. The second test is called a tap test, T-A-P. You just open the plate and tap it three or four times on what you're testing, like clothing or bedding or carpet or whatever you're testing. And then usually in a day you'll see mold start to grow and then you send that one in too. So a tap test should be around four to six colonies max and an air test for really sick people should be zero to two or four for people who are mildly sick. That's how you tell if your air is bad. Or if you're going in a place and you know, I'm sick at home, but I'm okay at the beach. Well, then it's your home and it could be your washer or your car or something else in the home, but you got to fix it. 
Yeah, I have people, when I was early on starting in practice, she had, you know, everything under the sun. And she said, well, when I go to Texas to visit my parents, I'm totally fine. And now, two years later, she's moved into a new house, and it's like a completely different person. So the air she was breathing at her old house, whatever the source of mold was, was definitely playing a role on her health. And I I never even thought about that. Have you ever heard of the ERMI test? By yeah. My, yeah, so that's one that I'm familiar with. I'm going to have to look into the immunolytics labs because I've never heard of that one, but it sounds simple enough. Well, that's the simplest test. The army test is a good test, but the problem with all of the testing is the level they consider to be toxic for humans is way higher than when humans get sick. Yes. And so good point. They had no uh, medical input or clinical data to support that level. So the level they say is bad is truly bad. It should uh, really make many people sick or even uh, kill some people is so high. So in the Hermes test, you have to be a two or less if you're really sick. And that's not what normal is in the Hermes test. Right. I'm all about this. There's the normal ranges and then there's the ideal ranges. Right. And it's the same way with these environmental testings. So less than two on an ERMI test would be ideal. Ideal for a person who's sick. But now remember, all these tests are not measuring what is making people sick. What is making them sick is the mycotoxins and the MVOCs. And nobody's measuring MVOCs. So MVOCs are like very volatile stuff like fingernail polish or glue. And these small chemicals will go through a sealed plastic bag that holds water. They'll go into sheetrock and into wood. And uh, so these people that are very sick with a totally disabled sick, I haven't ever seen one of those able to fix their house uh, so that they get well because they're so sick. That, that means you only have to have a slight amount of MVOC in the sheetrock or in the wood after all the remediation has been done to keep them sick. So I advise these patients to get into a location in which they know they're getting better. Yeah. And from there, you know, if they want to fix their house and do all that, great, go do it. But then you've got a place to go to in which you know you're getting well. And you can, if the house doesn't work out, you can use that as a platform to find another place. I totally agree. Do you find that there are places like specific locations where they say like I'm in Utah, we have four seasons versus somebody in, you know, Georgia where you are, where there's only warm and humidity. Do you find that there's a big difference in, in those type of areas? Yes. You, if you're in the South, you're going to have more mold than you are in the North, but uh, it can be any place can have, a really toxic mold environment. Uh, the very best place to go if you're really sick is either the beach or the desert. Uh, you know, a place like uh, Sedona, Arizona, or where there's really desert, not Phoenix, but uh, those kind of places, or the high mountains, not uh, North Carolina mountains. The high, 
Al Mountain is above the tree line. Yeah. In other words, you want to go into an outdoor environment in which you know you are getting better and then find a place to live there. Any place can have bad houses, so you have to be very careful that you uh, know for sure before you rent a buy that you can't stay there or that you know you feel you feel really good in that environment, you know you're getting better. That's the key. Right. And not only with the houses, I know from my own experience, my we had one of those little fish tanks in my son's room. He's like he's four years old, but I was trying to use that white noise to help him sleep at night. And we took terrible care of the fish tank. And I realized like two months ago, I have all this congestion and this breathing issues. And I look at the fish tank and it is just covered in algae and mold here in my own house. I brought it in. (laughs) So of course the fish went to the neighbor's house and the tank got thrown away and I'm still recovering. And when I go into that room and to put him to sleep at night, one, he always ends up in my room, which maybe that's the problem is the mold exposure. But I think we're around this more often than we think we are. Well, it's everywhere. And and you just got to get the levels good enough for you. Uh, Now, rarely do you see patients who can't live in a certain geographical area. That happens, but it's a single-digit percentage. Uh, You have people who can't live in a town in Georgia or North Carolina because of so many trees and so much humidity. But like I said, that's where most people can get into a safe place where they are. Yeah. Let's jump into this world of mycotoxins. When you say that what makes people sick, it's the mycotoxins, what are those? Mycotoxins are chemicals that are excreted by the molds and that they excrete them to protect their food source. So they're trying to kill off the competition for their food supply. And sometimes it's people, right? So these mycotoxins are microscopic and they're tiny oil droplets that float on dust particles. So uh, since that makes them heavy, and so they are trapped by the pre-filter on a HEPA air filter. They never make it to the HEPA air filter. But then the second chemicals that make you sick are the MVOCs. And these are the ones that go through a HEPA filter and are only trapped by the charcoal in the HEPA filter. You said M-B-O-C? No, M is in man, V is in Victor, O is in orange, C, Charlie. So M stands for microbial, volatile organic compounds. So uh, like paint is a volatile organic, you know, glue, fingernail polish, all those kinds of things are volatile organic compounds. Well, these fungi secrete these volatile organic compounds, and they uh, are toxic just the way mycotoxins are. But nobody's really measuring those. There are devices that measure levels of of VOCs of all kinds, but not MVOCs. So you can do So someone who's like a cosmetologist and they're around the hair chemicals, they're around the fingernail polish all the time, and that's their job, what do they do? Well, all MVOCs aren't toxic. So uh, they'll know if it's making them sick or not, and they'll figure a way around it. Sometimes you have to wear a chemical mask like you would for spray painting. Uh, 
if you have to be in that environment. And most of the time, those work, but sometimes they don't. Yeah, I know. We had our house cleaned one time, and they brought in, and it was, it was like chemical city. And I wanted to just help the little maid who was doing the, all the cleaning. I wanted to be like, here, take some of this, because these chemicals are going to destroy your health, please. That's true. <laughs> yeah, it's just so tough out there. Okay, so mycotoxins are the chemicals excreted by the mold. They're tiny oil droplets on dust particles that you have to view underneath the microscope, I'm sure. Those are being tested. And then the MVOCs are microbial volatile organic compounds like paint, glue, fingernail polish, all that kind of stuff. Would you say hairspray too? Yeah, those are volatile organic compounds that are man-made. But the one microbial means that micro, micro makes them. So the microbe is making its own, and they all have real long names. There are about 400 of them. And so okay. uh, these are can be neurotoxic. They can be carcinogenic and toxic for, for man. Whereas the man-made chemicals, some of them aren't so bad. Uh, and they, they're not neurotoxic, a lot of them. But the ones made by the microbes are usually toxic to humans. Okay, that makes more sense. So when people go to paint their house, they shouldn't just be terrified. Right, right. So uh, now, uh, one fact is almost all people who are very mold sensitive are also chemically sensitive. Yeah. The uh, body has an immune reaction to fungus in 20% of the population. So they uh, react 9,000 times normal. So when they have this chemical reaction to the mold, their white cell called eosinophil comes into the lining of the sinuses to kill the mold that they breathe. And when it does that, it ruptures and releases a chemical called a major basic protein, which kills the fungus. But in doing so, it puts a microscopic pit in the lining of the sinus membrane. And so this pit fills with mucus and the mucus can't get out because the cilia are damaged from the uh, immune reaction. So it fills up with mucus, and then they get chronic bacterial infections, and then they get biofilm. So the uh, bacterial infections uh, are given antibiotics orally or in a nasal spray or irrigation, and that gets rid of them for a short time. But unless you remove the fungus, from both the air and the nose, the pits remain and the infection becomes chronic and continues on and on regardless of your treatment. So two things that are common in these people, they talk, talk they have Marcons, which is medicine resistance staff in the nose, and then you have the biofilm. Both of those have been used as diagnoses when they're really a symptom of fungal exposure. And uh, they're singled out to treat, and they treat them with antibiotics, uh, which are helpful for a short time. But you never get rid of it unless you treat the fungus, which is the cause of the pits. So think of the pits as a, in order to put stucco on a house, you have to put a lab up. And so the pits are the lab for the mycotoxin, I mean, for the fungus to grow on. See, and the bacteria that grow on. So 
when, when you have the lab in there, you get the biofilm sticks to it, and you get bacteria going cross links across it. And then you get uh, recurrent sinus infections or Marcons. Both of those entities are treated and have long term results when you kill the fungus, both in the air and in the nose, with antifungal uh, nebulization or spray uh, or irrigation. So that's the key. So the, this think of uh, biofilm like, you know, everybody has staph in their nose. The only difference to the Marcons is methicillin resistant or drug resistant. Well, that's because most of these people have had multiple antibiotics. But it doesn't really need to be treated, the Marcons doesn't, unless the patient's like a hospital worker and with immune suppressed patients, or they have a symptom, like they have purulent drainage or discolored discharge. Uh, if endoscopically you don't see anything in there, that doesn't have to be treated because staph is a normal part of the nasal flora, just like E. coli is a normal part of the colon flora. So that's like, you know, saying, oh, we got to hurry up and get rid of this E. coli in your colon. <laughs> you know, it's part of the existing flora. Right. So your common symptoms of fungal exposure are medicine resistance. Yeah, they're uh, antibiotic resistant. Antibiotic after, okay. After they've been treated with multiple antibiotics. Yeah. Because it's chronic, people are treating them for a long period of time. So then all those people get resistant bacteria by treating them with a number of different antibiotics, which is not recommended really. What do you use for fungal, antifungals? Yeah. So in the nose, we use topical fungals, antifungals. Right. You can use it in a rinse. We use uh, for example, citrus drops is over the counter. We put five or six citrus drops in an eight ounce bottle of saline to rinse the nose out. And then you can rinse the nose out and that addresses the fungus. You can also use uh, prescription medications like boriconazole or amphotericin, uh, which are used in a nebulization in the nose after an irrigation. So you want to irrigate first and then you want to nebulize and the nebulizer is called a Rhino Clear Sprint. It's, you can get it online. It's a small battery operated thing that you need one nostril at a time. Then you do half of the amphotericin on one side and half of the other side. If they're allergic to that, you use boriconazole. These are uh, safe antifungals topically, and they're very effective, provided what? You get rid of the fungus in the air. Yeah. Would these lead to chronic headaches? Migraines. Oh, yeah. You can have migraines from fungal exposure. A lot of people get those. I know uh, I've got a, I've got a handful of patients that it doesn't matter what we do. Nothing cracks their migraine code. And so I've been telling them, like, wait, I'm, I have this interview with Dr. Dennis. We're going to figure this out. And now yeah. I'm thinking, let's start you, testing the environment. If you get them in a good environment and you start the antifungal therapy with irrigation, you know, with your citrus drops and then nebulization with amphotericin, uh, some of those people are going to get well. Uh, the ones that don't have their environment uh, strictly good enough and or it's buried into the sinus mucosa, then those people need surgery, uh, endoscopic sinus surgery, 
to open this niacin and irrigate them. And uh, there's a special irrigation tool called a cyclone, which is actually made by a company called Stryker. And what that is, is it forms almost like a vortex. Uh, it's like a mini pressure washer for the science because it, so it's the difference between using a hose on your driveway versus a pressure washer. Uh, so each sinus of all eight sinuses open, and then the cyclone is placed inside the sinus and irrigated with an antifungal like amphotericin. And it sucks at the same time it's irrigating. So none of that debris goes anywhere. It goes directly out of the body. And so you're able to, to irrigate every millimeter of all eight sinuses uh, you know, with an antifungal, and that gets rid of the mycotoxins that are going in the brain. So you can irrigate them with the amphotericin and uh, remove all the mycotoxins. So then when you do that, we get some tremendous improvement in uh, neurological symptoms like cognitive dysfunction and uh, muscle weakness uh, on one side or the other, tremors, uh, visual disturbances, hearing loss, uh, ringing in the ear, which is tinnitus. All those things can be improved with the combination of environmental treatment and endoscopic surgery for those who don't improve without it. Right. And yeah. so things like Parkinson's, like Parkinson's runs in my family. I have a family member with horrible Parkinson's and we did some things physically with her, made some progress. And I've always had this inkling that it's a lot of the environment well, is factoring into her shaking. And it, the tremors and the shaking is just horrendous. We've had a number of uh, people who were diagnosed with Parkinson's uh, that we got well by getting them out of the environment and doing the uh, endoscopic sinus surgery. But when you got to have a neurological symptom like that, in my experience, it's been very rare to be able to get that environment that they're in good enough so that they get well. What the first step is to get them into an environment so they know they're improving and then do all the uh, local things, see if they don't get better, then do the uh, surgery. Uh, now, it doesn't work for everybody by any means, but it works for most people. And it depends on how much damage you have before you start. So. If you've got permanent damage, it's not going to help you, but you don't know till you try. But most of these people who don't get any, any benefit, they're either still in the same place, they've remediated it, but all the MVOCs are still there, and or there are people who are bringing in uh, toxic items into the environment. So yeah. you can't do that either. So Yeah, the uh, more I learn about the environment, the more I'm going to start I've never actually ran a test and I want to start running on my own environment just so I got a good feel for these tests. But the more I learn about environmental factors, the more they, they have to get treated just like our physical bodies have to get treated and our mindset. If the environment, if you're going home to a sick to the house, that's making you sick. It doesn't matter what type of treatment you're trying and how many thousands of dollars you're putting into it. The home is just going to keep reiterating and bringing all these things up. Well, that's right. So the air that you breathe is five times more important to your health than all treatment rendered by doctors, hospitals, and drugs. 5X. And the air that you breathe is 2X more important to your health than your genetic code. 
You can't change the code. Your air is, the air you breathe is five times more important than to your health, than all hospitals, doctors, and medication. Five X more important. Okay. And then the air that that you breathe is two X more important to your health than your genetic code. Now that's impressive because you can't fix your code, but fixing your air is twice as good as fixing your code. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Yes, it is. It just fascinates me. I know we're looking at in, in within the next few years here, getting a new house, and and that's going to be one of my big things. Is if it's if I'm buying an old house, I'm going to be testing everything. If we end up building, luckily my husband's a builder. He's a general contractor, so he can be sure that everything gets done right. But the more I learn about it, the more I'm going to demand this be a part of our health and our wellness portion. It's not just how many supplements we take, how many times we go exercising. But as you just said, the air we breathe is more important than all of it combined. That's right. I love that. People ignore the air. It would be better if bad air looked like smoke. And then people wouldn't put up with it. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We are, as a, I'm a trained chiropractor and I always like, like to compare, you know, if we were to see our spine, like our teeth, we pay a lot of attention to our teeth because we can see it. Right. We don't pay attention much to our spine because we can't, we just trust it to do its job. Same thing with the air. We always want to blame the food, but I, I'm not a big fan of blaming food to begin with. Because by the time people get to me, as as you all know, they've done every diet under the sun and they're hardly eating anything. When in reality, is it the air they're breathing? I love that concept. You are a genius. It it is the air uh, in most cases. So if you don't address the air, you can virtually never get any improvement in the illness. And you can throw a lot of stuff at it, but the end result is they're not much better. You, You can... You know, medication will get you a little bit better, but the air always wins. Because you know, we we breathe what two thousand nine hundred and four gallons, if I remember. A day, yeah. Of air per day. Yeah. So think about it: if you took uh, two thousand nine hundred and four gallon jars, and every day you had to haul them out to the front yard, that's how much it is. Think about that. You would be spending fun. all day doing that. Yeah. And so then people just ignore that kind of volume. That's the volume that supports your life. You need all that air just to breathe and and live. So if it's dirty air, you can't be healthy. Is there a way besides like moving and locations, is there a way to clean up the air in our current environment? Now, we're trying to divide this up into people who are really sick, who have neurological symptoms, they can't see well, they're losing hearing, they've got tinnitus, or they uh, they can't walk well, they're imbalanced, they got muscle weakness, tremors, uh, uh, and severe cognitive dysfunction. These people generally uh, don't do well trying to fix their house. Now, there's nothing wrong with fixing their house, but you're usually not going to get the ball across the goal line doing that. They'll get better, but remember, the MVOCs are still there, and some of the mycotoxins are still there, but the mold's gone, you know, when they remediate the house. So that's why I say 
and the real sick people, not the people who just mildly ill, they need to get relocated to a place, not take anything with them in which they know they're getting better. That's the fastest way to get better. Trying to deal with the situation in the environment that made you sick and you're very sick, uh, generally that doesn't work. That's just my experience. Now, maybe maybe one out of a thousand, it works for them, but I haven't seen one yet. So now we get people who are just mildly sick. And yeah, what we do is call an environmental treatment protocol. And this is important because what you do is you do a HEPA air filter. Now, the best one on the market is a IQ air. It's a Swiss made one. You don't have to get that one, but that's the best one. It has a zero particle count coming out at 0.3 microns. IQ air filter? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just like IQ test, IQ air filter. And uh, they uh, can be expensive, but they have a smaller unit that's not so expensive. Um, then the second thing we do is we have a candle. Microbalance has a candle. that It has the um, natural botanicals in it, the oils from the botanicals. And uh, when you heat these chemicals up, they're about to about 254 degrees, they become like nuclear. They're, they're much more active. So a candle can remove all the mold and the mycotoxins in the air in a 12 by 12 space in three hours. Think about that. It's pretty incredible. But it doesn't do anything to the contents of the room. So if you have uh, stacks of clothes or mattresses or pillows, it doesn't do anything to that. So those are the things you got to put in the washer. And this stuff called EC3 laundry, you can use that to kill mold in your laundry every day. And then the, there's a fogger. So th- that's the combination. HEPA filter, a fogger with EC3 uh, mold solution. You can cold fog that air throughout your house in probably five minutes by walking around with this fogger. It shoots it out about 30 feet. It's a mist. And then uh, do your clothes. And you can get the counts down in most cases so that you're uh, able to start getting better until you can do it properly, which means finding the source of the moisture, fixing that, removing everything that got damp or contaminated, be very aggressive at removing everything. And then uh, if it's been a bad situation, a lot of times you have to get rid of furniture and fabric, you know, like mattresses and stuff like that before you can get well. So it's just a common. Uh, anything that is porous, you want to dump it unless you get it in the washing machine, and especially books. You can't fix books. Yeah. <laughs> so do as much as possible. Just know that there's not there's only so much you can control. Yeah. Now, if they're not very sick, what I've just said will get a lot of people well until they can fix the reason their house is contaminated. And it's a and in traveling too, you can. When you travel in hotel rooms, you want to get a newer hotel room and you want to ask some questions. And uh, then you want to take your candles and your most way with you, just in case you have a significant problem. So that at least you can get rid of the mold in the room. But if you open the door and it knocks you over, don't stay there. So you, you were telling us that you can get EC3 laundry, a candle, and people can find that at microbalancehealth.com microbalance health yeah okay. so that's our environmental treatment protocol to uh you know get the clothes clean get the air clean and add a hepa filter 
to that. The HEPA filter is really important. But this gets the, the load down. All you're trying to do is get the load down to where you start feeling better. And uh, some parts are exposed to getting a lot of mold, especially the air conditioning system. So uh, you have to have those serviced at the dealership so they change all the filters in, inside the car and they can treat the, the system. Uh, if you're sensitive, you have to do it on a regular basis or get another car. Yeah, okay. So once again, you can get those products at microbalancehealth.com. You can learn all about these processes at sinusitiswellness.com, sinusitiswellness.com. Sinusitis, yeah. Sinusitis. Sinusitis, yes. And then the last website to check out is sinus5.com. So those are the three websites where you can go learn more about this. And uh, Dr. Dennis, tell us like your one miracle story that you always hang on to that keeps you motivated. How did you totally transform well, someone's life? The most striking one is a, a young lady that was from Canada. She had two small kids and she was, had a mole exposure. But she was diagnosed with suicidal depression. And so she uh, was given every medicine possible to treat that. She was actually institutionalized and they shocked her brain 18 times to try to get her out of suicidal depression. So no medicine and no treatment was effective. No psychotherapy, nothing worked. So uh, basically she was considered treatment resistant. She found me and came down here and uh, said that she was going to kill herself. And I said, well, hold off a minute here. So let's, let's just try some things and see if it can help you. So we operated on her uh, and did the cyclone treatment and cleaned everything out. And on post-op day three, she has no suicidal depression and a very little, if any, anxiety. And this is on no medication. So all of that was coming from the mycotoxins and MVOCs that were lodged in her sinus tissues that were communicating with her brain. So, uh, and then we had another guy uh, actually the same day that in the recovery room, he had hearing loss for 10 years and severe tinnitus, which is ringing in the ear. In the recovery room, it was all gone. I mean, these are dramatic cases. Everybody doesn't get that result, but uh, some people can get these kinds of results. Uh, it just depends on what their air is like. You know, if their air is good, they're going to get better. I myself don't pay enough attention to the air. And you're the first one to actually say, it's not the air. I mean, it's not the food. It's the air we're breathing. And as we finish up here, just walk me through the surgery that you performed to remove these, we'll call it sinus mold ball. Well, you know, when you're breathing mold, you're breathing a uh, soup of toxins. You're breathing the mold spore itself, which can make more mycotoxins. You're breathing the mycotoxins themselves, which are the oily droplets on dust that are neurotoxic and carcinogenic. And then you're breathing the MVOCs, which are the volatile organic compounds which right. directly with the brain. So the surgery is designed to open each sinus. You have eight sinuses. So we, with a telescope, we open each sinus, and then we put the cyclone inside the sinus with a suction integrated into the irrigation. And uh, we irrigate all eight sinuses with 120 cc's of amphotericin irrigation. And then uh, 
we suck it all out at the same time. So all the toxins go away and aren't rinsed uh, to other parts of the body. So it takes about an hour and a half to do that. And of course, you're asleep for that. And then uh, you wake up and go home in about an hour. So uh, go home in about an hour. Uh, wow. And so uh, but then you have to come back about three times to have what we call debridement, which is essentially cleaning the sinuses so that the openings we made stay open so you can access them with irrigation. So you don't want them to close so you can't access them. You want them to stay open. For people out of town, it's, it's a kind of a harder on them, but they can do it. About three visits can be more, but you want to make sure the operation is successful by doing the debridement endoscopically afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, that's fascinating. I know myself, I'm going to go check out the website, signusitiswellness.com, because that's where all this education is. And learn more with me. Um, Dr. Dennis, thank you so much for joining us. Any last clinical pearl? Uh, well, we got three published papers about this. And, uh, I sent you the last one. Yeah. Uh, that just got published. So that's got all the details in it. So that if I have another ENT guy somewhere else, they can show them it's actually been published. Uh, you know, they can, if they I know we have we have MDs and DOs and DCs and nurse practitioners, and I'm sure there's a surgeon in there somewhere um, listening in. So anybody who's from a practitioner standpoint, be sure to just rule out the environment or include the environment in our treatment plans, no matter what you're facing. So. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Maybe one day I'll become an environmental specialist because I, the more I learn about it, the more it just fascinates me. Well, you should learn about it, especially when you install your heating air system. You got to do it right. Yeah. Yep. What is doing it right? Well, if you get a new house and you're installing two systems, commonly it'll be a two-day job. If you do it correctly, it's two weeks to do the oh. same thing. So you, you've got to seal, you want to do metal ducts, you know, and it can't have any fibroblasts inside the ducts. They have to be insulated from the outside. And then uh, the unit usually comes from the factory with exposed fibroblasts unless you order it differently. Then you got to take the fibroblasts out of the coil box, insulate from the outside, and then put two things on the system that are really important. A is what's called an April Air 5000 filter. That's the only... April air that works that I need, you know, that I will approve of. See, April air 5000. And the other thing is central dehumidification. And that's got to be hooked up so that it sucks from the supply and delivers directly to the coil and doesn't bypass the coil because the coil is what gets wet. And that way you don't grow mold again in your system. So if you brand a brand new house, you need to do those things to it. April 5000? April air 5000. April Air 5000. And a, uh, a good central dehumidifier. Okay. okay. And I will go check out that website and learn more. And I've already got people I'm going to send to that website as well. So the sinusitiswellness.com, that's the best place to learn, right? Yeah, sinusitiswellness is the uh, educational page. And the other two are one page. There's two different addresses to get to the same page. But they're more of a... Uh, the uh, Shopping cart where you buy everything. Okay. So you can get the EC3, the candle, the laundry detergent, all that stuff is at microbalancehealth.com. So right. 
Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Dennis. I'm going to dive in more and I can't wait to uh, speak with Kimberly this afternoon. Thank you very much. Your purpose is just like mine. It's big and it's important. And there's no one else anywhere on the planet who can fulfill it. So quit messing around and go get them. Chip Gaines. Take massive leaps towards your purpose and come join the 21-day Permission to Heal Boot Camp that's right for you. We begin September 6th. Say yes to yourself and let's celebrate your success next. Pick the boot camp that's right for you here. DrKylieBurton.com Practitioners, we are needed. Let's form an army and step into our purpose, all while leveling up together. Come join me in the Beyond the Diagnosis Mastermind. Doors close September 6th and the opportunity won't be around again for six months. I'll see you on the inside. BTDmastermind.com Mastermind.com